Well, I can hardly believe that we're at the end of this five-week series already. It seems to have gone so very quickly. Today I'm talking about worshipping God with the sense of taste. Now, this is not so easy uh, to, to speak about, really. When considering the relationship between the sense of taste and the act of worship, we do have to be discerning because it is a complex area. You see, we can read in our Bible those verses which speak of, you'll know these, tasting spiritual milk, tasting God's kindness, and you'll all know Psalm 34 verse 8, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And there are other verses that even speak about tasting death. Well, we know those. But I want to ask something a bit more specific today, and that is this. Where are those verses which can speak to us about our experience of physically tasting something that reminds us about the greatness of God and inspires us to worship? Can you think of any straight away? I guess that if and when you say grace before a meal, you're acknowledging that God is giving you sustenance uh, for your physical growth, for your health and your well-being uh, and so on. It's a good discipline to say grace and good to teach our children, of course, to do the same. I'm sure many of you do this, but we need to go deeper than this good discipline of saying grace. There is one clear element that comes to mind when we think about this. And for this, we have to read the account of the Last Supper. Well, you heard that earlier, brought to us so wonderfully by the Jeffreys family. Firstly, this is about the fellowship of eating and sharing union with Christ Jesus. Being in unison with Jesus is not about fellowship alone. The physical act of the Holy Communion represents the absorption of Christ's life, death and resurrection into the very heart of who you and I are. When people engage in that supper, in that holy communion, the taste of the wafer and the wine compels them to remember the broken body and the shed blood of Christ on the cross. The very action of holding and tasting is sacramental. Communion or union with God in Christ takes place. It is a spiritual attribute. And of course, this is central element in wider church worship. So what can we as salvationists learn from this, I wonder? While many of us may have participated in Holy Communion at some time, we do not practice this as a regular sacred ritual, do we? But we do imbibe the Words of General Albert Osborne, his poetry, My life must be Christ's broken bread, my love his outpoured wine. And we find some kind of resolution in those words. They do aid our deeper understanding. Indeed, I remember attending a conference many, many years ago uh, where a church leader referred to the Salvation Army delegates who were there as those whose lives were the sacrament. And wow, I, uh, the, the, the humility that one felt, the sense of unworthiness when somebody says that your life is a sacrament, that, that's big stuff, I can tell you. We are content to see it like this, aren't we? My life must be Christ's broken bread. But I do wonder how often we might think of the implications and the demands that the Song of Osborne's makes. Do you consider your union with Christ and your communion with the Godhead 
at a set time each week? Or is it just when you're reminded of it by somebody like me this morning? Many churches remember this truth every single day through the solemn and physical act of Holy Communion, which takes tasting to another more profound level. When breaking the bread, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. He said it so that we would not forget the depth of his love and his sacrifice for us. Tasting the wafer and the wine is a physical act which engages the senses and reminds Christians of deepest truths. So for those who do not partake in Holy Communion, we still have the question, don't we? Apart from saying a quick grace at the start of the meal, how does our God-given sense of taste speak into our spiritual memory? Our remembrance of the work of Christ on the cross, how does it speak into that in a regular and disciplined manner? Well, already in this series, we thought about seeing God in others. We thought about hearing God in the silence or in the crashing wave. We've heard about hearing God in a piece of music. We thought about how the senses of touch and smell can enhance our experience of God. What tastes, though? What tastes might regularly direct our hearts to the meaning of Calvary? How can we cultivate this? as a spiritual discipline. Well, I had an auntie many years ago, dear auntie, who every single Friday she cooked fish. Anybody remember that? You cooked fish on a Friday. It was, it was the done thing. It really was. But she did it for a deeply spiritual reason. She did it because she said it reminded her of when Jesus was on the beach cooking fish for his disciples. She said he was providing for them and he provides for me every Friday regularly she would remember that Bible story and I think that's a very beautiful thing his disciples had been out all night and had caught nothing and there she was remembering that and I thought that was very beautiful what about salt we our bodies really do need salt so when you're sprinkling salt on your dinner or on your fish and chips, maybe, who knows? Why not remember the preservative quality of salt? Why not remember how our bodies need salt, but how Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. So through sprinkling salt, remember that you can add flavor to someone's life, to someone's spiritual existence. You can add some kind of preservation to their life by talking to them about Christ. Remember that every time you sprinkle salt. With the right spiritual disciplines, there will be many more. We can develop our sense of taste to call to mind and to heart the importance of constant communion with God. Last week, Carolyn spoke about smell. And whenever I smell honeysuckle, I always remember um, honeysuckle growing in a, a, a deserted part of South Africa where there was a Salvation Army hospital that was providing for the needs of those in the bush and those in the villages around it, right in the heart of Vendorland, right in the heart of nowhere, but in, in South Africa. And every time I think of some honeysuckle, I think of God's provision in that way.
with the right spiritual disciplines, that can happen with taste as well. So as we find ourselves at the end of this series, I want to suggest one more challenge. Try to imagine interacting in your world without your senses, without all five of them. There are people who do just that. Some people who've never had one or two or three or four or five senses. I simply pray that you may joyfully and gratefully use the senses that God has given you to worship him. To worship him. Your world would be vastly different without them. You know, when Jesus uh, turned the water into wine, he went to that wedding at Cana and he had been an invited guest, but he was the guest who became the host. And whenever anybody drank wine, and whenever they drink wine in Holy Communion, they are reminded of the new spirit, of the new life that Christ gives. Now we may not drink wine, but there will be some taste that will enable you to remember the body and the blood of Christ, the meaning of that for you, for who you are, for the world, and for your world right where you are. So consider cultivating that sense of taste in order that you might remember always and tell others always what God in Christ has done for you at the cross. The pain, the agony, but then the never-ending hope in Jesus. May that be your experience. God bless you. Thank you.